0: And here we go, here we go on this Monday evening. Yeah, it's a little soggy outside, a little wet outside. Remnants, uh, what was Hurricane Ida that roared through Louisiana uh, yesterday? And, of course, many of you by now have seen all of the pictures and the images. Uh, the entire uh, city of New Orleans is without power. Uh, at last check, there was over a million people who were without power at this hour So so. Uh, I just ask that we all say a prayer for all those folks down there, not only, uh, you know, in the New Orleans area, but throughout the entire state of Louisiana as that uh, storm continues to work its way up to the northeast, Mississippi in particular, we could see some uh, some heavy rain. I don't know that we'll get a lot of rain tonight, but we could see some heavy rain uh, later on tonight uh, as the remnants of Ida continue to work their way uh, to the uh, northeast man i tell you if it's uh, it's been a lot a uh, lot going on here the last uh, last few days and of course um uh you know we're still dealing with uh COVID and we're still dealing with the variants and uh, called delta in particular and uh you know we'll be talking a little bit about that tonight as pertains to our children our children are being this really really right now disproportionately affected by all of the uh uh, this virus, as it continues to spread just far and wide, it's extremely contagious. And every five minutes you're reading about someone else who uh, has contracted uh, the disease. But before I get too far ahead of myself, if you're trying to uh, reach this uh, fine piece of radio broadcasting, you can do so in a number of ways. Of course, we're on air right now live, 91.7 WYXR. Uh, and uh, you can also go to the website, wyxr.org, and uh, hit the listen live button, and you will be able to hear us. You can also go to the Tune In app, put in WYXR in the search, and uh, hit uh, play, and you should hear us crystal clearly. And uh, of course, we are a podcast, so you can actually check us out tomorrow. They generally post a podcast on Sundays. Uh, Sundays? What am I saying? Sundays? Goodness gracious! How about Tuesday? Yeah. 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 How about that? Tuesday, they post the (laughs) they post the uh, the show. So sometime tomorrow afternoon, you can get uh, Real Talk Memphis with Chip Washington wherever you get your podcast. So uh, once again, very happy to have you with us uh, on this uh, evening. Uh, We have a pretty good show for you tonight. Of course, I always think we have a good show uh, here because, you know, we are Real Talk Memphis and that's kind of what we do. Uh, as I alluded to a minute ago, we are going to be talking in a few minutes uh, about uh, the Delta variant as pertains to our young people. Of course, uh, right now, that's a very, very, very big deal. And uh, right now, the, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the news, but uh, the governor uh, has been sued uh, by a couple of folks. Uh, Shelby County government uh, has sued him uh, in reference to you know, this whole opt-out issue uh, and a couple of uh, parents have filed a class action lawsuit uh, on uh, discrimination in reference to uh, disability. Uh, so th- th- there's a lot going on you know, with all of this, but, but, th- but the, I will say this, that uh, the effort is mounting uh, to get some real clarification, and more importantly, you know, how do we protect these kids? That's really the, the, the big issue, and you know, not only the faculty, staff, and students, but when you have an opt-out uh, option then who's really being protected here? You have kids wearing masks. You have some not wearing masks. You have everybody congregating around each other. We're going to talk to a friend of mine and a school board member, the Shelby County Schools, uh, Michelle McKissick. She'll join me in uh, just a few minutes. And, yes, my friend is very passionate about education, young people, and Covid, and she will, <laughs> and she will lay it all out for us in just a few minutes. Uh, first and foremost, as we always like to do on this big broadcast, I say it every week. You know, when we start, it's all about you. So, if you celebrated a birthday, an anniversary, or a special occasion over the weekend, happy, happy. But we are going to do the roll call right now. So, Jack, hit it. Happy birthday! Yeah. Celebrate a birthday this weekend. Anybody out there, you celebrate a birthday this weekend? Y'all have a party? Y'all get wide and whatever folks do when they have a birthday. Anyway. Happy birthdays go out to Barbara Blake on this day. Monty Lopez, happy birthday to you, sir. Happy birthday, Trudy Turner, Jennifer Haley, Carolyn Hunter McFagden Barbara Davis, today is your birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa Evans. Mike Matthews. You remember Mike Matthews, the watchdog, bulldog, slash, uh, you know, great storyteller and uh, investigative reporter? Uh, Today is Mike's birthday. Happy birthday to Christine Isom Sharp, Stella Young, and a very special happy birthday uh, to a friend of mine, loyal Real Talk Memphis Listener, supporter, Audrey Hill. Audrey, thought I forgot, didn't you? Audrey, if you know Audrey and you're listening to the show right now, or Audrey, you're listening to the show, happy birthday. And uh, y'all tell her, wish her happy birthday, make sure she knows. So happy birthday to each and every one of you all out there. Thank you so much uh, for being born because we would be, wouldn't be where we are without you in it. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate that. So now... Uh, let's move on to uh, some uh, news and notes on this day. Of course, I mentioned a minute ago, a few minutes ago, rather, about Hurricane Ida, which uh, came on shore in Louisiana, devastated the state. If you've seen the pictures today, there's over a million people without power in the state right now. Search and rescue efforts are currently underway as the long road to recovery gets underway. It's going to be some time before they can get back, you know, back moving again down there because there's a lot of damage. I mean, you know, in the light of day, what you see when the sun comes up is just something that was absolutely unbelievable. And, again, this is one of the most powerful hurricanes ever to hit the uh, the coastline there in Louisiana. So, prayers up to all the folks who have been affected, not only now, but uh, even the folks in Mississippi who are getting hatfuls and hatfuls and hatfuls of rain. And, of course, that leads to flooding, and that leads to other situations. So we're going to be praying for those folks as well. And all of those uh, who are affected, as I said, we could see maybe an inch or two later on tonight as it continues to rotate its way up to the north and up to the east. So if you're going out and you're going to be about, please, please, please be careful out there. All right, so we alluded to it a minute ago. Coronavirus uh, nationally, we're seeing 155 155 thousand new cases is the daily average nationally in this country and we're averaging over a thousand deaths a day uh, in this country as well Uh, some news from pfizer today said that the uh, drug maker might be in position might 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 be in position to file uh, for emergency use authorization for the vaccine for ages five through eleven by maybe october um, so we'll keep an eye on that and see how that how that plays out. Uh, it's unfortunate that the number of kids who are eligible to get the vaccine, those 12 and up, 12 through 17, uh, woefully low numbers here in Shelby County, not even 30%, and nationally about 50% of all those young people who are eligible getting the vaccination. So it goes without saying, but I'll say it again. You'll either get the vaccination or you'll get COVID. That's where we are because now – 99% of all cases, all infections are COVID related to the Delta variant. Simple, plain, to the point. And right now, there's really not a whole lot of uh, additional information you need. Shots are available. If you don't feel well, get tested. Plenty of testing is available. You can always uh, find a resource, um, either Shelby County Health Department or uh, the COVID-19 you know, website. They are listed every day, all of the places you can go. You can go to Walgreens, you can go to Walmart, you can go to CVS, all those places as well. You can go to your doctor's offices and get vaccines. No excuse, really, seriously, no excuse, because all the folks who are getting sick and all the folks who are dying uh, uh, are as a direct result of most of them not being vaccinated, okay? And 17, age 17 and under are the ones really right now. Who are filling up these hospital rooms so this is if you don't think this is directly in proportionately aimed at children or affecting our kids you need to pay more attention to what's going on around you because it is and it's very very serious as as well Uh, Shelby County is still dealing with long emergency room waits staffing shortages and very high cases as I stated a minute ago among our younger aged population, ages 17 and below 34 down to about 18 is, is right behind them as well for, for folks getting sick and hospitalized. And as I alluded to as well, two lawsuits have been filed against the governor of Tennessee, that would be Bill Lee, about the mask mandate issue. One coming from Shelby County government uh, that was filed last week and a class action suit filed by a couple of families Uh, there's mounting pressure now as the school cases are mounting not only the faculty and the staff but particularly the students numbers and now everybody's starting to talk about what virtual last year the legislature uh, twisted some laws to make it almost impossible to be able to uh, have a virtual component of uh, academic learning Uh, which everybody seemed to know was going to happen as the cases started to mount. But now you're starting to see see some pressure. And the state commissioner of education uh, said after a very confusing um, conversation last week that districts can't do it, but uh, certain schools and certain classes can go virtual if they get permission from the governor's office. I'm going to talk to – to Michelle about that all that in just uh, a, a couple of minutes of course uh, many of you are aware of uh, the, the, like I said the mounting pressure uh, to the state legislature about this optional mask wearing and the places who yelled the loudest about not having their kids wear a mask are all of a sudden now starting to say well maybe we should be looking at this a little bit differently maybe we should be having a mask mandate with no options necessary we'll see how all this plays out the president and CEO of St. Jude last week authored a letter that has gotten a lot of attention saying there's absolutely no reason why there should be any options we need to protect our children and we need to keep everybody as safe as we can both shelby county schools and the nashville school districts from the very inception when the shelby county health department issued a mask mandate for all um, have kept that all in place to this point so again uh, it's going to court now it's going to be a legal battle so we'll see what happens Uh, Something else that has been affected by the rise in uh, COVID Delta variant cases is Kojic. The annual uh, religious convention has canceled the convocation, which was scheduled to mark its return to Memphis this year. After several years being gone, Uh, they are discouraging any travel to Memphis. Uh, Don't come. And they're saying that uh, they're not going to have any events or anything. It's going to be an online uh, and a virtual event this year. Uh, the new health uh, directive strongly that they put out Friday. Now, there was a new health directive that extended uh, where we are now to the end of this month. Okay, So everything is basically the same, but there is a paragraph that says uh, that we strongly, as the health department, strongly encourage employers to require COVID-19 vaccinations, or regular COVID-19 testing to all unvaccinated employees, including those who are asymptomatic. So you, you, you're starting to see efforts now by by businesses, companies, corporations to basically say, look, if, if you don't want to get vaccinated, we're going to make it un- as uncomfortable for you as we possibly can. And by that, we'll be sticking that, uh, that, that swab up your nose every week until you decide you're tired of it and get a vac- vaccination. Now, a lot of other businesses are saying, the heck with that. You have until XXX date to get vaccinated if you have not already done so. And if you have not done so by the XXX date, you will have to find another place to work. That's where we are with this. You know, if if you, if you can't make it simple, then we'll make it hard. So, you know, again, a lot of pushback back and forth going on. Businesses are being affected, restaurants are being affected by staff having to be out. Of course, restaurants have to close when they don't have enough staff or somebody gets sick and they have to clean the restaurant and do things all over again. So, very big issue and it's not going away anytime soon. Sorry about that. Uh, In other news, kind of tragic actually, uh, two very young girls were shot and killed in two separate incidents uh, in the past few days. Uh, The latest one happened little girl i think she was eight years old i think the mother thought she heard some noise in a closet in the house so the husband got up had his gun and i don't know the little girl was in the closet now he opened the closet fired a shot uh shot and killed his child um i don't know if that's that's the story that we're being told right now but we'll see how all that that plays out that was extraordinarily extraordinarily tragic and Uh, something else that happened that I earlier today I don't know if you all remember if you listen to this show any at all um, I interviewed uh, a young lady uh, by the name of Carmion Hamilton and she won the uh, Design Star Next Generation uh, HGTV program earlier this year she got a $50,000 prize she had her own TV show the whole nine yards well uh, she uh, is in mourning today. She lost her husband. Her husband was tragically killed in a motorcycle accident uh, on Saturday afternoon. And uh, that is, uh, his name was Marcus. And, uh, of, of course, uh, someone turned in front of him, and he, he tried to avoid that and hit another vehicle and and, and was thrown from his bike and succumbed so to his injury. So, um, you know, she leaves behind a, a, a wife and and, of course, they have a 12-year-old son. And I remember very vividly her talking with such pride uh, about her, her family and particularly the support of her husband you know, and her son as she was going through all that process of trying to get selected for that show. So um, say a prayer for, for her and, and that entire family. And uh, I'm going to end this uh, on, a, on a, I don't know, I guess a high note. How many of you out there by a show of hands – Uh, are familiar with the television news reporter from Channel 5, Janice Broach. Hands up, hands up, hands up, yeah. Well, Janice, there she goes. (laughs) Uh, Michelle, put her hands up. See, so Janice uh, filed her last story on Friday. She actually retired from WMC-TV after a very long career, and I um, will say congratulations to her, and it was an honor both working with her because I worked at Channel 5 for a few years and uh, sat just a few desks away, and I was also on the other end of that microphone, too, a few times, so uh, uh, congratulations, Janice, on a wonderful, long career, and I hope you have a wonderful Retirement. Janice will probably be retired for like a week and find something else to do. Okay, so we're going to take our first break now. When we come back, we're going to get into it with my good friend, Michelle McKissick from the Shelby County School Board. This is Real Talk Memphis. I am Chip. You know who you are. Quick break. Right back.
1: you're listening to real talk with chip washington if you're celebrating a birthday anniversary or special occasion shoot him a note and he'll read it on the air get involved and tell somebody about real talk we'll be right back. Hi there this is bill of bill's kiln and i'd like to invite you to tune in to a new improved bill's kiln now mondays at midnight tastes great and less filling
2: This is Janet, host of Jaunt with Janet, Wednesdays from 4 to 6 p.m., bringing you new releases in the rock, pop, and electronic genres with a little bit of the old fused in, all here on WYXR Memphis, 91.7 FM.
3: what you got in your record box. Bring it along to the Memphis Listening Lab and WYXR's inaugural Record Swap and Zine Fest, presented in association with Crosstown Arts. Vendors will be lining the halls of the Crosstown Concourse with rare musical finds and deep engaging independently published magazines. Hear live sets from WYXR DJs spitting the best from their vinyl collections. The event starts at 10 a.m. Saturday, September 4th and Sunday, September 5th. For customer and vendor information, visit the Memphis Listening Lab and follow us updates on Facebook.
0: And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on this Monday evening. I'm your humble host, Chip Washington. Very happy to have you with us and very happy to have my first guest uh, with me tonight. Uh, I've known her for a long time, and uh, she is currently representing District 1 on the Shelby County School Board, uh, which includes Midtown, Downtown, and parts of South Memphis. All four of her children um, are either attending or have graduated from Shelby County Schools she is Michelle McKissick. Hi, Michelle.
2: Hi, Chip, how are you?
0: I'm doing good, how are you?
2: I'm doing great, I'm delighted to be on your show, Real Talk
0: with I'm Chip, re- <laughs> Chip Washington. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm happy to have you on the show, and and I know when I reached out to you last week uh, to talk about this issue, that I know you you among many, many, many people, including a lot of your, all, all of your colleagues on the school board are very passionate mm-hmm. about What is going on with uh, the Delta variant, uh, what we have seen in terms of the effects of it and how it has affected our children um, just in in, in crazy numbers. First of all, um, Mm -hmm. when you uh, heard that the Shelby County Health Department was saying that it's mandatory for all masks to be worn for everybody indoors, that was a great move. And then all of a sudden, the governor decided to change the playbook a bit. Talk to me about your reaction to all of that.
2: Wow. Oh, goodness gracious. When we first got the news that the Shelby County Health Department had, you know, put out a mask mandate for all of Shelby County, it was a big sigh of relief. I was like... because uh, our superintendent Dr Joris Ray was actually had announced that we were going to continue masks wearing in our schools because we we've had school all summer long with Mm -hmm. the summer learning academy Mm -hmm. so it was a continuation of that because we're gonna have even more students back in the building and we've been following the guidance and the science uh, from the the CDC since all of this began. So, but when we had our local health body say, yes, we're going to have mass mandates because the Delta variant's picking up, it was a sigh of relief because we had now this additional armor uh, around us. So, when the governor announced that um, we you know, mask mandates, despite our local health body determining that we needed it here in Shelby County because of the spread of the Delta variant, said that it could not, that parents could opt out of it in school buildings. It was like the rug had been pulled out from underneath. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I, I Honestly, I, I could not believe it because um, our children, especially those who are not even eligible for a vaccine yet, which includes my youngest child, mm-hmm. uh, that was the only bit of protection that they had. Were these masks. So um, I like how you put it earlier that, you know, if one person's not wearing masks, then, you know, it just, it really just compromises more. So if you're all wearing it, that's better. It's still very protective uh, if you are wearing a, a mask, but we, we just need masks in the school buildings.
0: You know, we, we've we been talking about this, uh, you know, for a while now and, and what, what has really struck me uh, in, in a very negative way is that this has gone from, the health and safety and protection of of, of all of us to politics. This is a straight political issue now um, the governor almost immediately filed an executive order, and then we were threatened um, with, um, you know, uh, more restrictive sanctions for not complying uh, to the order. I personally uh, commend uh, Superintendent Ray and the superintendent in Nashville for sticking to their guns and still requiring this. But I mean, Michelle, as a as a school board as a body. Where do we go? I mean, what are you What are you all thinking now as to what may or may not happen down the road in terms of the legislative body?
2: Well, what I know is, as a school board member, when I was elected to the school board to represent District 1, and not just District 1, but every part of Shelby County, because it takes all nine of us to move the agenda forward, right. I took an oath. I took an oath to protect children, to look out for children in every facet. This is just another aspect of that. This is not political at all. COVID doesn't care what your political affiliation is at all. It's just simply seeking a target to enter that body. And so that is what my focus is and what I I hope and believe the focus is of my colleagues on the board. Uh, I know that uh, Dr. Ray has made it very clear uh, where he stands on protecting children during this time. And there are so many others uh, around us who are doing the same thing. It was really encouraging. When the uh, Shelby County government, the the county commission, when they all came together and, um, you know, said that we're going to stand up for children in Shelby County.
0: Were you surprised that the uh, that the the lawsuit doesn't sound like maybe you were, but the the lawsuit that was filed by Shelby County government, uh, uh, Mayor Lee Harris, and basically saying, look, you you can't you can't do this. You can't you can't uh, you can't opt out um, of an extraordinarily uh, difficult Um, health emergency, which is what we are all under right now. I mean, were you, I'm I'm sure you were pleased when that happened, but I mean, did did it even have to get to this point?
2: Well, it was gratifying to have, you know, Mayor uh, Harris and uh, the Shelby County government stand up and support us. Honestly, the fight has been, at times it seems like it's been a very lonely fight for Shelby County schools. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so now to have, other bodies out there stepping in and standing up for us that was very encouraging um so to say that it's um surprising I I wouldn't say terribly surprising because there are a lot of conversations that are had behind doors with so many entities in the city from our county mayor to our city mayor to so many parties that are looking how can we you know help support children and that happened way back you know, spring of 2020, when uh, we had to go and, and feed children, when they were snatched from right. schools and those meals that they were getting daily. So many forces came together uh, to help support that. So um, this was, I, I you know, I wasn't aware of it before the, the lawsuit was announced, uh, but I know that there were uh, lots of conversations being had behind closed doors about how can we stop this and lawsuits from various different directions.
0: We are speaking with uh, Michelle McKissick. She is uh, the District 1 Chevy County School, on the school board of Shelby County, uh, representing District 1, rather, uh, which uh, represents uh, uh, Midtown and downtown and parts of uh, South Memphis. But as she says, you know, as, uh, as a person who's on the school board, and more importantly, as, as a mother, uh, you know, she's representing every child out there. I would imagine that uh, since all of this has began, and even now, Uh, Your phones are ringing off the hook. I'm sure you're getting plenty of mail, plenty of uh, phone calls, and plenty of uh, folks who are starting to really uh, engage even more so in the process. Uh, Am I correcting that?
2: Absolutely. I think parents who have never engaged at this level in terms of looking at policy and how things are affecting children, they're reaching out. I've received so many emails as well as uh, you know my colleagues as well and I am turning around saying thank you so much for that support and we need you to turn this around and let those in Nashville know that um, you know we're not a lone voice out here there are so many others and the great majority uh, here in Shelby County We haven't heard any complaints about the mask. I I personally, I have not received one complaint from a parent, a family within Shelby County schools saying that we are opposed to these masks. I just haven't. I just really have not. And so I'm asking them to reach out to the governor, to the Tennessee, um, you know, uh, the legislators there in Nashville and just make them know that there are other... There's another voice out there that's saying that we need these masks.
0: Now, you know, you you may reference to other voices and some of these voices are starting to get loud. As I mentioned, uh, there's a class action suit uh, now that it is uh, you know, filed against the governor and the legislature by a couple of parents whose children are, you know, have uh, have, uh, have some handicaps that wearing a mask would would cause great harm to. And, and again, this this whole notion of, of not thinking things through, not thinking things out, or just being just completely just ignoring what goes on down here in Shelby County is starting to, I think, resonate with people, who, like you said before, who may have not engaged in uh, prior processes. Um, as it were. Um, we're seeing letters. Uh, there was a letter drafted from the president and CEO of St. Jude that was published that is getting a lot of attention. Um, um, the, the school boards, not school boards, but the unions, rather, school unions, not just here, but across the state, are all rallying. They're signing petitions, you know, saying, no, we, we we can't do this. We need to change this. We need to fix this. Doctors and physicians are doing it as well. Michelle, this is a true health emergency and it is affecting our young people you know exponentially and that has got to get everybody's attention. Do you not agree with that?
2: Absolutely, Chip. I mean, you, you laid it out so well at the top of your show, the numbers and how it is impacting children like never before. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about the lawsuits and people getting engaged. Well, just today, it was announced the uh, the U.S. Department of Education opening up a civil rights investigation because of those types of lawsuits that were filed um, here in Tennessee of, of families who have uh, young people, students with disabilities. And that this really impacts their ability to learn because of their disabilities and that's you know you you're stepping on some mm, into a territory you have no business going sure. so that's now they're investigating not only tennessee but four other states as well that have put up some sort of barrier ban to uh, wearing masks within schools so it's just you know i i i it's really hard for me to wrap my head around it mm-hmm. because this is all about just protecting children. We're not trying to harm them in any way shape or form. And I think the the present CEO of St. Jude, he said masks do not harm children. And That's if right. anybody would know, St. Jude would know. Yes, they okay? Would. Yeah. They 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 would know. That's what their life's mission is is to not have any child you know, die in the dawn of life. And so, uh, and they wear masks all the time to help. And the children are wearing masks at St. Jude. So um, it was really wonderful to see that uh, op-ed that the uh, president, the CEO of St. Jude wrote.
0: You know, as as, as, I, as I start to look around the landscape, now, now the big conversation is about, uh, oh, the virtual. Uh, here we go with the virtual. Last year, the State House did everything they could to try to tie that whole knot off. We're not going to have virtual. We need the kids in school. We need the kids in school. Yet you, 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 you put into law something that gives parents the option for their children to wear a mask during a major pandemic, getting everyone else sick. But now there's a conversation about, the virtual aspect of education. And, and as far as you know, have you heard anything in reference to that? I know that there's some noise that, that the, uh, the, the, the Commissioner of Education made last Friday with some very confusing language. But now it's like, well, schools and uh, certain classes uh, can maybe uh, go to a virtual option if they get the permission of the governor's office. What's that about?
2: <laughs> you have such a way with words, okay. Chip, and <laughs> how you lay it out. <laughs> um, well, you know, it um, uh, yeah. the commissioner of the Tennessee uh, Department of Education, Penny Schwinn, she did formally announce today in a news conference about these exceptions now mm-hmm. to yeah. virtual schools. As you mentioned, last year, um, Shelby County Schools and uh, Dr. Ray, the administration, and so many community partners Came together to help put ninety-five thousand devices here in shelby county right. into the hands of students mm-hmm. which made virtual learning possible mm-hmm. and um it it you know by the end of the school year it was a well old machine and i saw it firsthand with i at that point i still had two children in scs my oldest my youngest son the senior in high school and my my daughter in elementary school mm-hmm. and so um so it really it was it was you know it was impactful. It was beneficial. And so now fast forward to this school year. And so with the mask mandate, you know, and the option to opt out and just with the Delta variant taking off, we've seen uh, cases like all over our, our city and county, right. but in schools where children have been exposed. So when they're exposed or some, someone who is ill, a, a student is exposed, so therefore they have to be sent home for a quarantine period. Mm-hmm. Well because of the ban on virtual schooling, how every child has to be in person, then we could no longer use uh, our devices in that capacity. We're still using them in the classroom, but in that capacity at home, so the children can have still real live instruction like they had all of last year. So it's really a double-edged sword that we're looking at here because you're supposed to be in school in person, but then at the same time, you have the option they don't want you wearing masks mask in the school or, or have that option because that's a barrier. Okay. So I, I, I'm at a loss a little bit for words here because how are we going to protect these children? We want them to learn, and they do. I mean, being in school, everybody is happy to be back in school. Sure. The kids are happy, sure. the adults yeah. are happy, the teachers, that's a good thing. So now what can we do to help protect children in this learning environment? wear masks, and if there's an option where they have to quarantine they can still learn in real time with that but now we do have to go through a a convoluted process in which to get that permission uh if the cases
0: were to arise and they will it's unbelievable michelle mckissick i can't thank you enough for coming on the show tonight and dropping the knowledge and all i can say to you my friend is Keep fighting the good fight. We need you. We need your voice. And we need a whole bunch of other voices as well. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you.
2: Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Chip. But I'm going to stay around because I want to listen to Fred Joe's. I'm so excited so about excited. the Southern Heritage Classic. Yeah. And of course... Woo, at the end of the
0: show. Look, I saw, look I saw the Google eyes when you mentioned uh, Eddie George, And as the host of this show, I, I just want you to know I'm a little jealous behind that. But that's okay. Was, that's, okay. Yes. that's okay. That's okay. That's all right. Thank you, Michelle. I'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> okay, take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Michelle McKissick joining us on the show. We're going to take a quick break. And when I say quick, I mean quick. We're going to come back. We are going to talk about the Southern Heritage Classic with the founder of the Southern Heritage Classic, His name is Fred Jones. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. Right back. Hey, Fred, you there? How are you, my friend? Man, we're doing good. Listen, we're we're in a short commercial break, and when we come back, it's going to be me and you. You're
1: listening to Real Talk with Chip Washington. If you're celebrating a birthday, anniversary, or special occasion, shoot him a note, and he'll read it on the air. Get involved and tell somebody about Real Talk. We'll be right back.
0: Give me like There's two. There's really spots, nothing yeah. better than a box of records, not even a bottle of beer. Things are gone in
4: a matter of minutes, but final just won't disappear.
1: Hi there, this is Zach Ives. My show, A Box of Records, plays every Tuesday night, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., right here on WYXR, 91.7
3: FM, yeah. Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, just that Yeah. What You got in your record box. Bring it along to the Memphis Listening Lab and WYXR's inaugural Record Swap and Zine Fest, presented in association with Crosstown Arts. Vendors will be lining the halls of the Crosstown Concourse with rare musical finds and deep, engaging, independently published magazines. Hear live sets from WYXR DJs spinning the best from their final collections. The event starts at 10 a.m. Saturday, September 4th, and Sunday, September 5th. For customer and vendor information, visit the Memphis Listening Lab and follow events updates on Facebook
0: all right And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on this Monday. Chip here with you. Glad to have you aboard for the ride. And my next guest is someone who needs no introduction, but, you know, I'm going to introduce him anyway because that's what you do on shows like this. He is the (laughs) president and CEO of Summit Management, better known as the founder of the Southern Heritage Classic Football Weekend and all associated events. He is Mr. Fred Jones. Fred, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. My pleasure,
5: Chip. Glad it's, to be here.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, we are going to enter into. I can't. I can't remember what edition of of uh, the uh, the classic uh, this this year. 32. How many? How many? Thirty two. Thirty two years, ladies and gentlemen. So I know I had to get, you know, get him on the show because I know that that excitement gets get you all ratcheted up. You know, you starting to see him and listen to him and hear him and see commercials and things about uh, the Southern Heritage Classic. Uh, after a bit of an absence, uh, one was a weather related issue a couple of years back. And then, of course, we had COVID last year. I would imagine, sir, that you are uh, quite anxious to get the show on the road this year, the 2021 version.
5: I think we all are
0: yeah. I mean, after we, this last year, so it's two years without the classic, especially with
5: the classic has become such a a part, a big part of everybody's lives. So everybody's getting ready, anxious to get back to Southern heritage Classic.
0: Yeah. It's, it's always a fun time. And uh, of course, uh, you know, the, 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 the tailgate has become legendary, Uh, You know, in terms of all the folks getting together and and, and fellowshipping and having a good time and having fun. uh, I I know no one more than you uh, uh, is aware of, you know, all the conversation in reference to the Delta variant and what folks need to do. You had a vaccination event or there was a vaccination event that happened uh, this weekend. And you have been urging folks, look, you want to come out and have a good time? Get vaccinated. Protect yourself and protect other people. Share that message again, if you will.
5: Well, it's two big things that uh, is, is quite successful against the virus and the variants. Uh, vaccination number one, and wearing a mask, uh, especially almost any time, especially during the classic indoors or outdoors, mm-hmm. uh, when you're not eating or drinking. Mm-hmm. Those things will will help us keep as many people safe if uh, you try to enjoy the classic and try to enjoy life. It's, it's very important that we get vaccinated. Uh, everybody should be vaccinated and one thing I know you're into a lot of numbers, but one thing that struck me uh, about a week ago, 96% of the people that were in the hospital that were they haven't
0: been vaccinated, 96%. That's, that's exactly right. That's Vaccination right, is exactly.
5: very important.
0: This is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. I think we all know that by now. And ladies and gentlemen, we're speaking with uh, Fred Jones, who is the president and CEO of Summit Management and the founder of the Southern Heritage Classic, edition number 32 this weekend. And not only um, will there be food, fellowship, and fun, wearing your mask, getting vaccinated, uh, there's also a concert. Who's going to be in concert this year?
5: Uh, the legendary Stephanie Mills and Jeffrey Osborne. They, they have been staples in the in music industry, seem like forever. Yeah, and they've been a big part of the Southern Heritage Classic. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that at the Orphan Theater on Thursday, September 9th.
0: Well, that, that that's just going to be one of, the, one of the events that's going to kick things off. Can you kind of lay out a little bit of what folks can expect uh, should they want to uh, venture out and uh, discover all of the thrills of the Southern Heritage Classic weekend? Well,
5: it's, it's called the Southern Heritage Classic, and it don't look like the Southern Heritage Classic. We have concerts, golf tournament, the fashion show, the Coalition No One Black Women. Okay. We, The coaches' luncheon, where Eddie George and Deion Sanders are are being front and center. Yeah. Uh, In fact, uh, the special guest speaker would be Police Chief CJ Davis. Okay. So, uh, and of course, uh, the tailgate is like no other anywhere in the country. I think everybody is, is really ready for that. And I have to keep emphasizing this wear your mask with all the time, except when you're eating or drinking. Very, very important. And, of course, at 6 p.m., we have the big game with Tennessee State and Jackson State. Uh, that's it's it goes without saying that's a rivalry that's been around a long time, and I was glad that uh, the cost of the Southern Airs Classic would continue to happen.
0: Well, absolutely that. And, uh, of course, everything you said just kind of kind of gets folks uh, e- even more excited. Uh, I, I, I don't even need to ask. You know, I'm, I'm sure your phone's ringing off the hook, and a lot, a lot of folks are asking a lot of questions about this, that, and the other, getting ready to make trips from wherever they are in this country. But, again, you know, um, and I'd be remiss, and, of course, you've mentioned it a couple of times, and I'm going to keep pounding the drum that in order for us to get back to any semblance of what we once used to know, we need to do some very, I think, simple things in order to get back to uh, life as we used to know it, which is, as you said, get vaccinated because um, there is 90, 96, 97 percent, almost 100 percent of the people who are getting COVID right now are unvaccinated. And at this point, there is no real reason for you not to. Uh, it's very accessible. There are various uh, vaccines available. You can get them anywhere. And of course, always wear your mask. Um, you know, whether you're indoors or outdoors. And and I like to personally thank you um, for for putting that message first. Um, you know, let let's do the fundamentals before we we get into the fun, right?
5: Well, absolutely. We can we can enjoy it much much better, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, especially with everything going the way it is is going. And again, it's very simple get vaccinated, take the shot, wear your mask. You're not eating or drinking. But again, the Southern Heritage Classic is all about fun and having a good time, family and friends. And uh, for information that you might want, a need with the Southern Heritage Classic, you can reach us at
0: SouthernHeritageClassic.com. That's SouthernHeritageClassic.com. So you beat me to the punch. You knew I was gonna. You knew I was gonna do that anyway. So <laughs> see, how you, see how you put that in there. SouthernHeritageClassic for all information. All questions can be answered. Any any information you need about this year's edition, right? Absolutely,
5: and again, we keep it updated as things come in. And uh, we just mentioned uh, today uh, on social media the the thirty second. Uh, annual T-shirt, plastic t shirts which is really nice. Uh, they are available now at our office at forty-four sixty-six, Ellsworth Boulevard, Suite two forty-eight. So, all of that's
0: available now. Absolutely, that I saw that T-shirt, and you're right, it is really sporty. Fred Jones, thank you again for all you do uh, for the city of Memphis each and every year. I'm sure many folks are looking forward to another big weekend. Let's do it right. Let's be safe. Let's enjoy ourselves, get vaccinated and have a good time. Fred, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank
5: you, Chip. I appreciate you as well.
0: Thank you, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Fred Jones, the man who puts it all together each and every year for the Southern Heritage Classic. Thank you for being on our show. When we come back, we're going to stay on the theme of the Southern Heritage Classic and we're going to talk to one of the head coaches of the big game Fred alluded to just a few minutes ago, Jackson State versus Tennessee State. They're both Tigers, but I'm going to have the TSU uh, head coach. His name is Eddie George. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. We'll be right back.
1: You're listening to Real Talk with Chip Washington. If you're celebrating a birthday, anniversary, or special occasion, shoot him a note and he'll read it on the air. Get involved and tell somebody about Real Talk. We'll be right back.
3: Every Saturday I go to Fifth City, but every Sunday morning, I hang out with Brandy Rinks for her putting on airs, country, honky-tonk, folk. She's the best, y'all. Tune in every Sunday from 9 to 10 a.m.
0: This is Real Talk with Chip Washington. Uh, I am your humble host, Chip Washington, with my very special guest, uh, the newly anointed head coach of the Tennessee State University Tigers. He is Eddie George. And coach, really appreciate you once again being with us today.
4: Absolutely, it's my pleasure, my friend.
0: So, okay, um, let's kind of start, you know, at the beginning of all of this. um, How did you, um, I guess, when, were you approached about this and what was your thinking in terms of whether deciding you wanted to take the job or not?
4: Um, I was first approached with this opportunity maybe a couple of months ago. Um, I have a existing working business relationship with President Glover um, with the AKA Foundation. I do wealth management and uh, was doing some stuff for them. And um, she calls me one day, wanted to talk, and I'm thinking this about some business that we've already, established whether it be more money or whatever that is um i was i was you know looking at that but she said i'm gonna have my ad on the phone as well my new point new newly appointed ad dr nikki allen and um i'm thinking okay this could be a fundraising effort or something along those lines and uh i get on the phone and she says i would like for you to think about being the next head coach at tennessee state university Okay, And I'm like, (laughs) all right, you know, uh, I said, (laughs) yeah, uh, let me, let me think about that for a minute, knowing that I was like, nah, that's, that's not my arena. I I had no plans of going back into coaching Mm -hmm. or any of that nature. Mm -hmm. And so I said, let, let me sleep on, let me think about it. And I did just that. And I talked to my wife about it. I said, Myra, that's told my call her Myra. Her name is Tamara. I said, uh, listen to this this crazy opportunity that I was presented with today. President Glover asked me to be the head coach of her football team, knowing I've never coached a down of football in my life. <laughs> this is ridiculous, right? She's like, well, why not? What's, what's the reason why would you do it? Mm-hmm. I said, well, I have this going on. I got my other businesses, I'm, I'm doing acting. Uh, Eric, you know, my youngest son is going to school. And quite frankly, I don't know if I have the passion to do it, I don't know if I want to jump into. it. I know the hours that they work; um, it can be it can be daunting. It's a whole different lifestyle for me. Absolutely. So I don't know if I want to walk down that avenue. Um, so she says, "Well, I hear what you're saying, but you've done so many other things. Why not give this a shot? You love football. You love the game. You talked about the game. You, you played the game. Um, you were a commentator. You saw it from different aspects. Um, you run businesses." Uh, so it's like you can be a CEO of an opportunity. So long story short, I, uh, did my due diligence. I reached out to other coaches, talked to other, uh, players, uh, like, like Dion got his perspective Mm -hmm. to see if it can be done and was possible. And, um, I went down the exercise road to say, okay, let me just look at this as an exercise. If I was going to do it, what would I do? Mm -hmm. Who would I call on? And I started building my team out from that perspective. And then. I got to the point where I got really excited about it. I said, hey, let me give this a go.
0: Well, first of all, um, I don't think that there's anything more exciting uh, to a college football player than having an all pro uh, running back, a man who has achieved many honors, uh, who is a legend uh, in Nashville in that area to be uh, named their head coach. Uh, I would imagine that enthusiasm from the player perspective is pretty high right about now. Am I correct?
4: Uh, yeah, it is. I get a sense of that, you know, the, the student body, they're really happy about it. Uh, Tiger nation is pretty excited about it. Yeah. Um, to, to see, uh, someone of, of my caliber come in the door, um, bringing um, the resources, uh, to the program, um, highlighting all of the uh, opportunities here uh, at Tennessee State University, you know, it's truly the all boats rise mentality. You know, with this opportunity, not just for the football team, but also for the basketball team, the women's sports, uh, the band, uh, several colleges that are strong here. It's a great chance for us to highlight all the great the, the great institution that it already is. Um, so it's really exciting uh, for not only for myself, but the city of Nashville. You know, uh, I built Goodwill here in the city for well over 24 years, both on the field and off the field in the community. And I have people that uh, were not gen- gen- uh, uh, originally interested in Tennessee State football now getting season tickets because they want to see, you know, what this what we can do here, what I can do here at this uh, university as a head coach. So. Uh, Just around the city, the the buzz around the city has been very positive, and um, I'm really looking forward to to bringing them a product that they can be proud of on Saturdays.
0: Speaking with the uh, newly minted head coach of the Tennessee State University Tigers, Eddie George, and you know, you are obviously a legend, uh, a legendary player for your offensive skills, but now you have to build an entire football team. Yeah. Uh, Tell me how you go about uh, doing something like that
4: well uh first uh, is is, is my, my greatest asset is knowing what i don't know <laughs> uh and and bringing the right people on board that, that do um it was important for me chip to bring in guys that um, are, are experienced uh knowledgeable and are experts in this area that's available um so on my staff was it was very important for me to find the best uh uh, advisory board chief of staff positions possible mm-hmm. that can help me navigate through all the operations mm-hmm. side from compliance to uh, field operations to recruiting mm-hmm. to all the things that you see that you don't see in terms of uh, running an operation efficient efficiently. Mm-hmm. And bringing on Jeff Fisher as my uh, senior advisor has been well for me too on my team to help guide me in this regard too so those two positions were key for me to say okay what's needed what do we have to do and how do we build it out and then tap into well this is what my offense wants to look like this is what my special teams uh this is what i want to look like and this is what my defense this is the the texture and identity that i want and then building off of that
0: so, you know, it, it takes, obviously, that there are many steps in the process and clearly you have, you know, started that that process in terms of mm-hmm. building your staff um, and getting the right folks around you to be able to help you to execute uh, the plans that you have in place for this football team. Right. Uh, when you looked at it initially in terms of, okay, the success of the football team and now you're sort of have to, having to rebuild and recline this whole thing, uh, how, how great a challenge is it from just what you've seen to this point so far?
4: Oh, you know, it's, it's a big challenge because, um, I'm coming in not with all the answers. I'm not coming in saying, Hey, this is what you need to do because you don't know what they already have. You got to get under the hood to truly understand the culture, um, what they've done well here so far, what needs, uh, help, um, identifying, you know, how the student athlete operates on a day to day basis how they get to practice, what they eat, how, where they're practicing at, how long they're practicing, when they come off of practice, going to class, coming back for study hall and so forth, workouts, just trying to get my arms wrapped around their day to day and making that run efficiently is that's where we're finding those opportunities to win and trying to say, okay, Instead of it doing it this way, let's see if we can find a win-win to create this, to make it a smoother transition and in a more efficient way, in a safe way to do things moving forward. So um, to answer your question, we are changing a few things out, the look and feel of our our football offices, uh, uh, changing um, how they lift, where they lift, uh, adding in programs like a, a strength and conditioning program uh, making sure the kids can stay here for summer school, uh, something they haven't done in the past. Um, all those things are very important in terms of building uh, for a championship type season. And I think, and I believe that everything starts at the top of leadership. You know, if you have the shared vision and all, you're pulling in the right direction, that things can get done, that can get accomplished and you'll start to see payoff on the football field. That's the last place where we got to go. So everything on the front end has to be shaped, has to be molded, has to be understood. And we have to begin to build that culture where we're all on the same page of building a a program of excellence.
0: Last couple of questions, Coach. Uh, There are always expectations uh, when something like this happens. A very very big, high profile hire uh, from somebody who clearly has the experience uh, and the talent to be able to mold this team. Um, but they're obviously outside, um, you know, expectations. But as the, as the head coach of this football team, what are your expectations this first year?
4: My expectations is to win every single game I play, to win every single game that I play. Mm-hmm. Whether we win or lose doesn't matter. It's going to be a learning experience. Uh, my goal is to establish the culture, to establish identity, to establish how we're going to do things moving forward, um, how we're going to move, how we're going to operate, Uh, set the mission, the mission vision, and and go toward that. But my expectation is every time we line up between the white lines, we want to compete to be the best players we can be, number one, be the best teammate we can be, number two, be the best team, number three. If we can do that on a day-to-day basis and be consistent with that, then the scoreboard will take care of itself, and the win column will take care of itself, too.
0: Wrapping up with uh, Tennessee State University head coach Eddie George, so, you know, I, I I live in Memphis, and and, and, and I work in Memphis, and, but I spent a little time in Jackson, Mississippi, so I wouldn't be oh. the person that I am if I didn't start a little something going on between you and, you and uh, your good friend Coach Prime. And there's a big game uh-huh. in September they have up here called the Southern Heritage Classic, and uh, mm-hmm. that is going to... Obviously, it has added uh, a greater level of excitement.
4: Yeah, yeah. Both
0: of you in this. How do you feel about? How do you feel about that and the coaching against him and, and this whole experience?
4: You know, uh, it's going to be awesome. I have so much respect for Coach Prime. Um, I grew up a fan of Prime uh, as a player. Uh, now that he's a coach, um, someone that I called on early in the process to to kind of lead me down this path and decision. And uh, to, to, to go head-to-head with them in, in Memphis with the Southern Heritage Classic is going to be one for the age. I think it helps the profile of HBCU football. It helps mm-hmm. the profile for these kids to be seen. to see the product that we're producing that, hey, these kids can probably play on Sunday too. You know, we are building and molding these guys to do just that to be successful on the field, off the field, and after the game of football. So that's what our aim is, and I think it just, it's just an all boats rise mentality when it comes to that. So I'm really excited to compete against Prime in this regard. Um, I think it's going to be a wonderful game. I uh, hopefully by that time it can be a packed stadium. You know, maybe game day from ESPN can 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 come down there and highlight this game. You know, game of the week and show the atmosphere and just show how to show the culture of HBCU football. Period. I mean, this is, this is historic in my mind, and um, I, I, I hope and pray that we put in a performance that, uh, that, that, can, that can be epic.
0: Two legendary uh, all-time greats uh, on the football field, in my estimation, and I look forward to not only seeing that game up close and personal, but uh, seeing what you do to build that football program at TSU. Coach Andy George, thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule to talk with us today and best of luck to you now and in the future
4: thank you chip have a great day man go big blue
0: take care all right